you probably have, um, uh, have, have seen different pictures of what Christmas is. Now, some of you, your Christmas may be a, a Thomas Kincaid uh, painting, or it, it may be, you know, a hillside or a countryside with snow and, and uh, kids going down the hills in their, um, in their sleds. Or it could be uh, the nativity scene where you have Mary and Joseph. You have uh, some strangers that show up. You have some shepherds, right? And some wise men. And, um, and then you have some cows and, and maybe some sheep in there. You, you have this picture of this sort of nativity. In fact, I've got a graphic up here if, if, if all that kind of works. Uh, so we have a graphic up here uh, and it's the uh, graphic of like the nativity. So with this, uh, with this nativity, uh, it's sort of a, uh, a puzzle of, of Christmas. And sort of as you sort of piece together your Christmas, you can kind of, um, you can kind of see with this graphic, there is a missing piece. And that missing piece is right where Jesus is. And so that missing piece of the puzzle is what we're talking about for this entire series. Now, there are, uh, thanks guys, there are some, um, there are some people in this world and, and many of us at Christmas time that we try to piece together our Christmas without that missing piece. We do not invite Jesus into what we are doing at the center of our Christmas. And so when we don't do that, then guess what? We miss out on the peace of Jesus, the P-E-A-C of Jesus and what God wants to do in our life. And most people, there's many people out there that not only at Christmas time, but even in their regular life in different seasons and then also with various, uh, you know, seasons, but in, in a lifetime. And so they miss out on the peace of God because they, they don't include that missing piece of the puzzle of life. And so as we're looking at Christmas and we're looking at that, we got to understand that no peace, N-O, no Jesus equals no peace. But if you know Jesus, K-N-O-W, if you know Jesus, then you know peace. So know Jesus, know peace. But if you know Jesus, then you know peace. So to have peace in our lives, we need to make Jesus the centerpiece. What does that peace look like? If you turn to your scripture, this is at our main passage of scripture, but if you turn quickly to John 14, uh, verse 27... John 14, 27, uh, it says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Now, they are at the Last Supper, and so he's basically saying goodbye to his friends, his closest friends he's had for about three years. And so he's given them instructions. And he's saying, the peace I leave with you, but not just any peace, my peace. Jesus is saying, my peace, the peace that I have, I'm going to give to you and not like the world's peace. You know, because the world's peace looks different than Jesus' peace. Let me tell you what the world peace looks like. The, the peace of the world has, you know, has things like a, a full bank account that has bills that are paid has marriages that are unified and, 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 and so in love, has, has kids doing their chores and, and cleaning their rooms without even being told. Peace is no traffics, right? Amen? No traffic and, and no accidents on your way to work. 
Peace is when things on Sunday morning work great. Okay, that's peace. Students, peace is when teachers cancel the tests. Amen? It's awesome. Uh, peace is when your favorite team wins the SEC championship. I'm sorry, was it too soon? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm never too soon. All right. So that is, that is peace. Okay, that is the world's peace. That is what we look at as peace. But you know what? That's not the Jesus peace. That's not the peace that Jesus wants to give. Jesus said, I, I give you my peace, not the peace of the world. And so um, Jesus faced things such as people invading his space, and he still had peace. People are always wanting something from him, but he had peace. He had friends that he chose to follow him, and they betrayed him, but he still had peace. He was falsely accused, but he still had peace. This is the Jesus peace. Jesus faced all of these and yet had an inner peace. Now, there's many, many stories that we can look at in the Bible where Jesus shows his peace. It's like, I want that kind of peace. I want that kind of peace. And so, there's one story in particular about a storm. If you want to turn to your uh, your your copy of God's Word in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, there is a story that many of you are probably familiar with in Mark chapter 4, and it's all about Jesus calming the storm. And there's something about this story that we're going to use and we're going to include into our day, and then we're going to also see where it comes from in the Christmas story. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 40 And it says this, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go, this is Jesus, let us go across to the other side, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern, asleep in the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? So I want, you, I want to let you know of something. There were two storms that night. There were two storms that night. There was a storm that was physical on the outside of the boat which was obvious. But then there was another storm, and that storm was inside the boat. That storm was inside of the disciples, of those in the boat, except for one person, Jesus, who was asleep. No storm inside Jesus. Jesus was pretty calm. He he was sleeping. And so the storm inside of me is usually worse than the storm on the outside. You ever get that way? When things just blow up and don't work and things are, you know, it's like, okay, what is, what is going on? And then you look at yourself and the inside and you're like, okay, I think what's happening on the inside is worse than what's happening on the outside. And that happens to me all the time. It happened to me this morning. It's like, what is going on? 
We worked all this. We worked so hard. And then I had people behind, backstage said, all right, we're going to pray for you. They laid hands on me. And it was good. Amen for, for just great people who love me. And uh, so, but, but Jesus, Jesus woke up from his nap. And he told the storm, peace, be still. Peace, be still. Jesus was able to do this because he had peace. Now make sure you understand this. Jesus was able to speak to the situation because he had peace. You cannot speak what you don't have. You cannot speak what you don't have. For instance, if, if you're, if you're in, in a bad season in your marriage, you can't speak, you know, words of, of instruction and counsel to another couple who's, who's, who's struggling. Now, you get beyond that. You get beyond your own struggles and you, and you walk out of that with, with God's grace and his mercy and then, yes, in your, in your better season, and then, yes, you can counsel people. In fact, those are some of the best people to counsel marriage couples or ones who've already been through problems and gone through it, right? But you cannot speak into something that you don't have. The disciples, the disciples did not have the ability to speak into that storm because they did not have peace themselves. Our storms come out of peace, so we need to speak peace back into the storms by the power of Jesus. Okay, so your storm, whatever your storm is, and we've got a wide variety of storms that, that are in this room and those who are watching online. Your storm is different from the storm of the or person sitting next to you. I can almost assure that. And so whatever storm you're in, it came out of peace, a time of peace, and it could go back to peace. But the storm that's got to calm down first is a storm inside. The storm inside. I, um, I shared a few weeks ago um, how I was having some pain in my abdomen and I went to my doctor and he ordered me an ultrasound and kind of found out I had, a, had an aneurysm in my aorta uh, blood vessel and uh, so he, he uh, got me set up with a uh, surgeon, a vascular surgeon and went to uh, this other surgeon doctor and he looked at the, at the ultrasound and it's like okay well tell you what I, I need to let you know something. This, I mean, this could burst, and if it does, you're a dead man. He said that. I was like, that's comforting. So I'm basically a time bomb. He says, yes. He says, but it's not at a point where uh, we, we, we can really do surgery, and we need to do surgery. We just need to watch it grow. It's like, watch it grow. I'm not comforted by that. Yeah, we're going to watch it grow. So let's make an appointment for a few months from now. But let I me mean, tell you what, I, I was not at peace. I was not. Walking around with the time bottom was something that could, that could burst. I mean, it, it, it put stress in my life, which raised my blood pressure, which 
will make that aneurysm grow bigger. And it's like, I'm just, I'm just trapped in a corner. So I did what the Bible said. The Bible says, call on the elders of the church. Let them lay hand on you and pray for you. So, wow, we just did what the Bible said. So I had the elders lay hands on me after church one Sunday. And, um, and several weeks passed. In fact, a few months. And I get this notification on my phone. It's a, it's a text, an automated text. And I was like, it said something about a doctor's appointment. I was like, doctor's appointment? When, what doctor am I seeing now? And I couldn't remember. What, and it even said Dr. Wilson. Like, who's Dr. Wilson? And so a few days passed, and I was like, right, I'm going to call this. So there was a number I could call. So I called. And I was like, hey, so did, I'm Frank Bennett, and I'm supposed to have an appointment. What, what doctor am I seeing? It's like, well, he's, he's a vascular surgeon. And I was like, oh, I have an aneurysm. It's like, and I, I told him, I was like, okay, well, 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 I'll be there. But it's like, I forgot. How could I forget that I had an aneurysm? So I went to the doctor. They did another ultrasound, and he said, hey, we can't find your aneurysm. It's gone. And he even said, this, this doesn't normally happen, but, it, but with God, right? But with God. Here's what I think. I think that God, after the elders lay hands on me, God brought peace into my life and he took away the, the anxious life, the anxiety, to the point to where I forgot I even had it. And then, I was not surprised when he said, I can't find anything. Why? Because I had forgotten about it. I even asked God on the way to the appointment, God, God what? I'm so... I'm just losing it. You know, I'm, I'm getting old. I can't remember things. And it's like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, no, I took, that, I took that from you. I took that from you. And I gave you peace. And so, in the middle of my peace, I forgot about the storm. In the middle of my peace, I forgot about the storm. The Christmas story is filled with all kinds of storms that's happened. And we're gonna be discussing that over the next few weeks. But what I wanna do is I wanna look at sort of the, the end picture of what peace looks like. So if we would turn to Luke chapter two, verses 16 through 19. Luke chapter two, verses 16 through 19. And this is, of course, is, is the... Uh, the encounter with the shepherds and, and Mary and Joseph. And so this sort of, this passage sort of sets up this nativity scene. So verse 16 says this, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all of the things they had heard and seen, which are just as they were told. Kind of, I went on to verse 20. So but I want to focus on verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. When you're in a place where you're pondering and you're treasuring the things, you're at a place of peace. Okay? You're at a place of peace. Think about a place that you like to go or you like to be. It could be on your back porch. It could be by a lake. It could be on a trail. It could be wherever. A place that you like to go and ponder and to be at peace and to treasure the things in your heart. That is the ultimate picture of peace that we see there at the nativity. And so, how did Mary get to this point? How did, how did Mary get past all of the problems that they had faced? What did Mary experience over the past several months? Mary experienced several things such as an unplanned pregnancy. Dealing with a a disgruntled fiancé that almost divorced her. Leaving home for a few months so as to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, so as not to be the subject matter of shame in her village. She had to travel for days on a donkey in Bethlehem, very pregnant. Had to deliver a baby in a stable. Had strangers visit her and show up to her after the birth. As we... Ponder with Mary, we will observe the choices she and Joseph made that helped them arrive at their place of peace. And I have three things I want to share with you that I think will help you. And we're going to look at some of those passages in Scripture. So, Mary's cousin Elizabeth became pregnant at an old age. She would eventually give birth to John the Baptist. About six months into her pregnancy, this scene happened. So go one chapter over to chapter 1 of Luke. Luke 1, verse 26 through 38. 26 through 38. And it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her, husband, went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at, her word, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So, so right now, she, she doesn't have a really a lot of peace, Okay? The initial sort of visit from the angel, understandable. Verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? 
The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And look what she says in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary, at the beginning of when all this stuff happened, now at the, the very onset of this angel, obviously she was, she was troubled. She was, she was afraid. But Mary got to the point pretty quickly that, you know what? I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in God in the middle of my storm. I'm going to trust in God in the middle of my storm. Um, It may not seem that there's chaos or trouble, but there definitely is. As you can see, Mary's engaged to Joseph. Mary has now been told she's pregnant through the Holy Spirit. There's going to be some major questions from from Joseph and and the village. One thing Joseph will know is that the, obviously the child is not his. And Mary knows what's about to come about. What's about to take place. But she doesn't freak out. She doesn't. She doesn't freak out. She says, may your word to me be fulfilled. May your word be to me, to me be fulfilled. I wonder how many times Mary had to remind herself of that phrase that she told the angel and ultimately to God. May your word to me be fulfilled. Oh God, while she's riding on the donkey, fully pregnant to Bethlehem. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary never doubted what, what God said to her. And what she said to God. Never doubt in the dark what God has spoken in the light. In the light of that room with the light of the angel. Never doubt what God has spoken to you in the dark that he's spoken in the light. So when things get crazy, when things get really dark, when there's a lot of confusion in your life, okay, relationships, raising kids, finances, health, all of these things. When there is darkness, never doubt in the dark, in that moment, never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light before you went through this. That is why it's so important for us to read God's word and to pray when we're in the light, when before the storms happen, before the dark clouds form, it's important for us to get into his word because guess what? We could take the promises in the word and what he tells us in prayer and we could bring that into the darkness and never doubt for a moment. Yeah, it's, it's easy to want to read God's word and pray when dark clouds happen, when storms arise. And we should. But sometimes it can be very confusing unless we read God's word and pray before the storms rage, before they happen. And so Mary basically is saying she's trusting in God 
in the storm. That's what, that's what we need to do. We need to trust in God in the middle of the storm. The second thing is this. So after the encounter with the angel Gabriel, Mary visited her cousin Elizabeth. Upon Mary entering the home, the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth showed uh, showered blessings on Mary and the child as she, uh, that she was bearing. And so we see this in that same chapter, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. Verse 46. Now this is, this is Mary's response. So Mary has left Nazareth, and she had, you know, early pregnant, right? She found out. She's going to visit her cousin Elizabeth, okay? She's older, and uh, so she goes and hangs out with Elizabeth. When she arrives, the baby, who's six months, she's six months pregnant, the baby leaps into her womb, and that's John the Baptist, okay? And so John the Baptist leaps in her womb, and so Mary's response is this song that she wrote through the Holy Spirit. So Mary actually wrote a song in response to that. And this is what it says in verse 46. It says this, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. Remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. You look at these words and you think, does this sound like a young girl who's in the middle of a storm? She just found out she's pregnant. She's She's going in her mind about all the things that's going to happen. How she's going to tell Joseph. Joseph doesn't even know. How's she going to tell Joseph? What are people going to say when she starts showing her pooch? <laughs> right? What, what is going to happen? Does this sound like someone who is in the middle of a storm? No. But she is. She is in the middle of a storm. And she is at peace. So, what does this say to us? In the middle of our storm, we need to worship. She wrote a song. I'm not saying you need to write a song, but you can, you can worship God, sing, turn on some worship music, read, read his word, spend time in prayer. That is worshiping the Lord Jesus. That is putting him, putting him first in your life. And in your day and in your week. So in the middle of the storm, Mary told, shows us. She shows us we need to worship God in the middle of the storm. So first we see we got to trust him. We got to trust him. Second thing we see, we got to worship. Worship God in the middle of our storm. This is how we show peace. This is how we show peace. And then the last but not least, we see this in Luke chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. And it says this, so Joseph also went up 
from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Think about what Mary had to go through. Fully pregnant, she had to travel, I think it was about 100, yeah, 100 miles. 100 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Okay, you can Google that on maps. I did. 100 miles. And if you do some research, Google this, you can see, well, if you, if you walked continuously with, you know, with a donkey and tail or maybe ride a donkey, and she's not going fast, y'all, right? It's a four-day journey, okay? If walking about nine hours a day, so about nine hours a day of complete walking, you know, you gotta have time to rest. It's about a four-day journey. With breaks, being pregnant, it could end up being a five, maybe six days journey. Ladies, does that sound like fun? <laughs> to go on a walk or, or maybe ride on a donkey for that long, fully pregnant? When she arrived, there was no comfortable bed. There was no privacy. People just showing up. People in the field, shepherds, other people. Hey, what's going on? No. You just gave birth, or you're giving birth, or whatever. It's like, really? No privacy? No place really to, to lay the child except in a, in a feeding trough? But here's the incredible thing about Mary. You see no signs of her complaining. She's not complaining. She's not. She's not saying it's unfair Mary arrived at her moment of peace because she was content with what she had in the middle of her store. She was content with the middle of her store. One of the best ways we can have true peace at Christmas or any time of the year is to be content and take joy with what we have in the middle of our store. If you're in a financial store, there are things that you can be content with. And there's, 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 thing, there's a difference between happiness and contentment. Happiness is wanting everything you have. Contentment is, um, no, happiness is having everything you want. Contentment is wanting everything you have. There's a difference between those. Contentment, you're satisfied. You want the things that God has placed in front of you. And so what you do is you spend time with them. You thank God for them, for the people in your life, for the roof over your head, for the whatever. There are things in your life that you can give God thanks for. If you're in a relationship storm, there are things that you can give God thanks for. Health. I mean, whatever storm you're in, we need to be content and, bring, and give God thanks for what he has put in front of us. I believe Mary, we don't, we don't know this, in, in, absolutely we do not know this in passage, but I would venture to say, based upon what we've just read and the place that Mary is in, 
that Mary probably gave thanks to God. Said, thank you for providing this manger and this straw and this hay that I can lay Jesus in. Thank you for providing, you know, this, this stable because there's no other place we could have gone. It's, it sure beats, you know, having this child out, out in the woods <laughs> or out in the open. Thank you for providing this for us. And then later on, as, a, as wise men came, thank you for providing that. So, if we want peace at Christmas, we've just got to, we've got to do like Mary. We've got to have trust in God. Trust that everything's going to go all right. Trust that things are going to be fine. We've got to, we've got to worship him in the middle of it all. Take time to worship him. And then last, we've got to be content. We've got to be content with what he's given to us in those times, in the middle of our storm. True peace is not gained in the easy times. True peace is not gained in the easy times. In fact, I would say true peace is measured best in the middle of the storm. In the middle of that storm, Jesus had peace. The disciples did not. Jesus could speak into the storm because he had peace. So the storms in your life, rather than trying to fix everything outside of that like I do, and we try to do today, there comes a point to where you're like, all right, let's, let's not look at this storm. Let's look at this storm. Let's calm this down. Let's, let's pray. Let's worship. Let's be content. You know, I was backstage as River and, and Jameson were giving announcements. And what I was doing backstage, I was saying, you know, God, thank you for everyone coming today. And for everyone being here so we could be together as a church and we could fellowship and we can just open your word. Thank you. And thank you that we have the electricity that we have and that some of the things do work, that my microphone works, okay? Those kinds of things. I was backstage thanking God for that. And because I needed the storm inside of me to to be at peace. So I just want to encourage you. Stop looking at the outside storm. Don't start with that. Start with the storm inside. And trust, worship, and be content. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's a good word today that you, uh, that we read in your, in your, in your Bible and Thank you, Lord, for, um, for speaking to us today. Thank you, Father, for, <laughs> for just showing this great example of, of storms today and us just stopping and just being at peace. Thank you, Lord, for bringing your peace, for bringing your presence into this place. Now, there could be people here today are watching online. Maybe you don't have peace. Maybe you've been wrestling 
Maybe you're wrestling with God. Maybe you've been wrestling with, with, with the storm. You've been focused so much on the outer storm, you're not focusing on the inner storm. Maybe you just need to just give that up and surrender to God. Say, God, give me peace. Please give me peace. The inside. Work it from the inside out. And if you're here today and you've never asked a prince of peace, which is Jesus, to come into your life and bring peace, ultimate peace, you could do that now. Just by saying, Jesus, please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life. Bring peace into my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.